the first week of summer mixtape. It's appropriate because it's like the last week of summer. But uh, no, we've got several weeks of summer left, right? September 23rd, I think, is when it's over. So yeah, we got time. We got time. It's be good. So summer mixtape, we started, this is the fourth volume, volume four. We've been doing this, this is the fourth year for summer mixtape. And it's, uh, it's kind of a non-series, right? Basically, Pastor Devin says, hey, you guys, get up there, give me a break, and talk about whatever you want for, for, for six weeks. <laughs> so I have a really hard time with stuff like this. I have uh, this massive internal struggle in which I'm trying to figure out something worth saying. Uh, I never, myself, I never really feel like I have anything worthwhile to say, which is honestly why I don't say much at all. Uh, I think that with my personality, I think I do best when I am responding to someone's need, like a question or a prompt or a direction, right? Pastor Devin says, hey, Zach, I need you to get up there and talk about blah, blah, blah. Sweet. I'm on it. But when he says, hey, get up there and just talk about whatever you want. But there's so many things. (laughs) How do I pick one? My brain just goes into this panic, right? Uh, and honestly, I'm like in that mode so much that my brain kind of prevents me from really even experiencing my life for a solid week. I'm just in that, I'm, I'm just, yeah, it's his fault. I'm just in that place where I am so preoccupied with the impending doom that is this moment right now. <laughs> what am I going to talk? All week long. All week long. It's because I love you guys so much. So it gives me so much anxiety. Anyone can relate to that. So I'm talking with my wife, Kristen, earlier this week. I think it was Tuesday. Uh, I'm like, babe, I have no idea what I'm going to talk about on Sunday. It's Tuesday, right? It's still a long way away, but I'm there, you know? And she says, you know what she says to me? She says, You should ask your daughter. My daughter's four. So I laugh and I say, I don't think that's going to go very well. She says, you should do it anyway. Uh, And I said, I I wouldn't even know how to ask that question. And so she tells me how to ask the question. And now I I have no excuses anymore. So... (laughs) I decided I'll do it anyway for fun and see what she says. And so that afternoon, I pick her up at daycare. She's over at our own little world. Uh, I pick her up over there, and we get in the car. On the car ride home, I say, according to Kristen's script, Hey, Olivia, Daddy has to get up on stage at church this Sunday and talk to everybody. What should I talk about? You know what she says? She says, nothing, (laughs) nothing, yeah, (laughs) and so like, I kid you not, I spent the vast majority of my week wrestling over 
what a sermon about nothing would be like. <laughs> like, are we talking like in the Seinfeld, a show about nothing sense, you know? Or are we talking like on the concept of nothingness it's, itself, right? And I, I'm not even joking. I wrote a full sermon about the concept of nothingness. And it was a lot of fun. But then I threw it away. <laughs> uh, it came to nothing. Uh, and I said, Olivia, I don't think I can talk about nothing. And she says, yeah. I said, but why? She says, I like that word. <laughs> and I said, okay, I, I have to talk about something. What should I talk about? And she says, poop. <laughs> it's about what I figured. Thanks for the help, kid. I promised you guys on Facebook yesterday that I was going to tell you the most interesting or weirdest fact that I know, right? Uh, if you didn't see that, I asked on GC Life about uh, the, most, the weirdest fact you know, and I think, uh, was it Ashley, I think, took the cake on that one. Uh, like a decapitated head weighs the same as a gallon of milk or something. It's like, why do you know that, weirdo? <laughs> said you were a forensics major? Wow. It's in a textbook somewhere, I guess. I hope. I hope she, she wasn't like, eh. <laughs> It's about the same. <laughs> so, here's mine. Uh, and this is my way of honoring my daughter's desire. Uh, you guys like to look up at stars? I love to go outside at night when it's clear and I can just lay back and look at stars for a long time. Like, it doesn't ever get old to me. I had uh, one of the most important moments in my life uh, was spent on the hood of a car staring up at the sky with a pretty special dude. That one. Uh, yeah, I love that. Have you ever had the fortune of, in those moments, of just seeing like a random shooting star? Isn't it gorgeous? Yeah, it just fills you with this sense of awe and wonder, right? Uh, the Perseid meteor shower is t tomorrow night, by the way. Uh, you'll get a whole bunch of them. But sometimes when it's not the Perseids, we have these random uh, shooting stars, right? And there's a very good chance, see, the, the International Space Station, you guys know about it, it's been up there since like, what, 98? Over 20 years. That, that, that space station, if you go out there on, at the right time, sometimes you can see it pass overhead. It's so far away. And it's like, blink. Blink. Cool. The thing about an International Space Station floating up there, never coming back down with people in it, is that people have to poop. Did you know that? People poop. So there's a very good chance that if you've ever seen one of those random shooting stars, that you were actually in awe over a giant mass of burning human feces. Yeah. I mean, does it make it any less beautiful, though? 
Perspective matters, right? Did I ruin it for you? I, hey, I still think it's gorgeous. Like, man, look at that poop. Don't you wish your poop could be a shooting star? I do. So, uh, one of our core values here at Grace Church is honesty. Honesty. So I want to have an honest talk with you this morning about something I deal with on the daily. And maybe you can relate to it. I've hinted at it a few times already. Uh, When we talk about honesty, we talk about honesty with God, honesty with ourselves, and honesty with each other, right? And I think it's that honesty with self that's probably the hardest one, isn't it? It's really, really difficult. Uh, Pastor Devin asked us this morning, how do you know when you're being honest with yourself? It's a great question. Something to think about. Uh, I think our culture, I don't mean that about this place, I think our culture at large has these unrealistic expectations of pastors. You know, we, whether we wish to or not, we tend to place them up on a pedestal and expect them to live to a certain set of standards, right? And really, that standard is like perfection. We don't even necessarily realize we're doing it. Uh, But that has some really drastic consequences for everyone. Perfection is a very heavy burden to bear. Nobody can live up to that. But we try anyway, and we fail because we're not Jesus. The other consequence is that you can't relate to a pastor that you've got on a pedestal that you think is perfect. There's always this excuse in the back of your mind, well, yeah, but you're a pastor, right? Like that's some kind of superpower. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe uh, my super pastor powers haven't come in yet, but... uh, Until they do, I am just as much of a flawed, broken human like the rest of you. I have my struggles, my doubts, my heartaches, my dreams, my desires, my fears, just like the rest of you do. I have my anxieties about getting up here in front of you. I don't do this because I'm perfect. I don't do this because I've got it all figured out. I do this because I care about you, and I do this because there was this moment in my life that Jesus became so real to me that I could not ignore this vision for a life that he had. Pastors are really just guides. Guides traveling alongside you through your own journey. We... We say uh, we're like spiritual personal trainers, (laughs) yeah? Uh, We don't have all of the answers, but we've devoted ourselves to learning as much as we can about God, about the Bible, and human nature, honestly, uh, just because we hope that maybe, just maybe, someone just gets it, right? And when someone gets it, it's worth it. So today, I would like to be your guide through something that I have dealt with through much of my life, my adult life anyway. 
So in this process of wrestling through uh, figuring out what I'm going to talk about today, uh, I was reminded of how often this happens to me, of how I become paralyzed by fear, how often I fail or refuse to take an action because of how I see myself as not good enough is never good enough. Like, where in the world did that come from? Because, like, I think back before I was a Christian, I never th thought that way about myself. You know? Like, sure, I needed a swift kick in the teeth, probably. You know? I needed a dose of humility to bring me down about 38,000 notches of my estimation of myself. But to go to that point where I feel completely and utterly useless, incompetent every moment of every day, what in the world is that? Where does that come from? I don't, I don't know, but it's not God. That's not God. I mean, maybe it's some kind of a broken... A broken... Uh, I'm going to move this to my backside. I like, I like my pockets. Got it. It's nothing. It's nothing. <laughs> so, uh, I don't, I don't think that came from God. Honestly, I, I think a lot of it comes from just some really bad theology. Which, by the way, class starts Wednesday. Uh, but I've since discovered that I'm not alone in that feeling. And this phenomenon is so common in our society, actually, that psychology has actually given a name to it. Imposter syndrome. Have you ever heard of imposter syndrome? It's basically, it's when someone doubts their accomplishments and has a persistent internalized fear of being exposed as a fraud or an imposter. I kid you not, I wake up every day expecting that someone is going to find me out. That I'm a phony. Have you ever felt that way? When I first saw that, I was like, oh my gosh, that is me. I have developed a number of ways of coping with this persistent fear over the years. When I come up here to preach or teach, I usually start with some kind of a joke about how I'm sorry that you're getting the B team today. Right? I tell it like a joke, and of course you laugh, because it's funny. I'm funny. But some of you who know me really well, Nikki Suffin, you'll give me the stink eye because you know what I'm doing. Look at her nodding. Yeah. I'm using the first coping mechanism, lowering your expectations through self-deprecation. 
If I can lower your expectations of the product or the service that you're about to receive, then if it flops or if it isn't great, it's, it's no big deal, right? What did you expect from the B team? But if it turns out good, man, I win big, right? <laughs> this self-deprecation, this lowering of the expectations allows me to remove the risk while enhancing the reward, right? I'll also often joke in various settings that I'm the least spiritual person in the room. I often feel that way. It's not true. But again, I'm practicing self-deprecation to lower a person's expectations of me. Have you ever done that? I feel more comfortable when I know that people aren't expecting me to be perfect. So I make sure they know not to at the outset. And the thing is, is they may never expect that of me. They may, that thought may never have crossed their mind, but it makes me feel better in the moment to know that it's been covered. Right? On May 30th of this year, my 33rd birthday, same year Jesus died, uh, I started a business. And in that business, I help other small businesses and nonprofits figure out how to talk about their products and services and then build websites for them. Uh, it's basically a, a marketing company, and I really love doing it. It's a lot of fun for me. Every one of these jobs is like a problem to solve. Uh, but here's an interesting tidbit about me. I have been building websites for small businesses for over 15 years. It's a long time. I've been doing that longer than I've been in ministry. I am more qualified as a web designer than I am as a pastor. You didn't know that. Why? Because I don't talk about it. I don't talk about it. Why? Why won't I talk about it? Because in spite of having 15 years of experience, I never saw myself that way. I was an imposter. I didn't have the proper training. I didn't have the education. I wasn't perfect. I wasn't good enough to meet your needs. I couldn't live up to my own standards of perfection that I'm holding myself to. There have been a number of people who've approached me to say something like, hey man, uh, that could be a really great side gig for you. Uh, and a source of income. You know, you should really do more of that. Jake over here is one of those people. He, he encouraged me for, man, like two years to keep at that. And I just was, eh, eh, you know. Uh, and at this point, I would practice coping mechanism number two, avoidance. I would make excuses about why I couldn't do that. Usually, my excuse had something to do with not having enough time, right? Yeah, that would be cool, but between church and family, I just I don't have time to devote to that consistently. And those are my priorities. And honestly, that's true. That's somewhat true anyway, but it wasn't the whole truth, right? It was still an excuse that I would make to give me an out. It allowed me to say yes I build websites, but I'm not a web designer, right? 
It was an out. So it was a way for me to never put myself out there to begin with. People couldn't have, again, those expectations of me. But even though I never put myself out there, every once in a while, maybe two or three times a year, someone would contact me and say, hey, I heard from a friend that you build websites. I need one. Let's talk. Yeah? I would usually jump at the opportunity to help because I really do enjoy doing it. Uh, and I liked helping people. And I liked helping people achieve the things that they wanted to achieve. It just does something for me. But uh, I like the process of solving their problem, of how they talk about what they do. And uh, I like the feeling I get whenever it's done and I can sit back and look at the end result of my labor, right? You ever have that feeling like you get done mowing the yard, which sucks, but then you're like done, you're like, yeah? Is that just like a middle-aged man thing or what? <laughs> Arnie's like, no, I hate it. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought you were looking at me funny. I asked Jason that question once, and he was like, no! <laughs> I want to burn it down. But I like that feeling, right, after you get done mowing. It's therapeutic. But invariably, somewhere along the way in this question of websites, uh, uh, or the conversation of websites, the question would come up, the question would come up. So what do you charge? I hate that question still. I hated it even more then. What do you charge? It forced me to evaluate myself. It forced me to evaluate what I'm offering. It forced me to value me. And I would always sell myself short. Who's done that? Oh, whatever you think it's worth is fine. I was practicing coping mechanism number three, degrading or cheapening. I couldn't see the value in what I was doing. It wasn't about the product, though. It was... It was about me. I knew the websites I created were valuable assets to these businesses. and They can generate leads and lead to sales. The problem was that I didn't see value in myself, in my time. So I degraded and cheapened my work. You know what the major problem with degrading and cheapening your work is? You don't get paid. <laughs> I cannot tell you how many thousands of dollars I have given away in free website work over the years. Thousands and thousands and thousands. Tens of thousands. Well, that's really cool though, Zach. Giving stuff away is godly. That's how I would justify it too. <laughs> and it's true enough, right? It is godly. Until you realize that the hundreds and hundreds of hours that I have given away had to be stolen from somewhere else. My family. Here. The end result of you cheapening yourself is robbing the people that you care about. 
You all know uh, the meal prep company, Clean Cooking? I get a call from this guy, Stu, a little over two and a half years ago with the same line. Hey, I already built websites. I need one. I meet up with him, uh, went over my approach with him, and he was all in. He was serious about growing this thing he was doing. And Something different happened in this conversation, though. He never asked me what I charge. <laughs> Instead, he says to me, I want to be honest with you. Uh, I can't really afford to pay you. <laughs> uh, you know, I know that you know, websites are expensive, but I'm literally operating a, a meal plan, meal prep business out of a food truck in a storage lot, delivering it in Ziploc bags. I don't have the capital to pay you right now, but I can give you free food. Cool, right? I'll take free food. And I really liked him. I still do. He's an awesome guy. Uh, I still get free food. <laughs> but I really believed in what he was doing, and I wanted to see you know, it, it just be something awesome. And Of course, Jake over there did all of his graphic design, and the guy has just exploded in popularity. He's got four brick-and-mortar locations now in Van Buren, Fort Smith, Fayetteville, or the, the fourth one's coming, I think, in a couple of weeks in Bentonville. Uh, and just, he's doing so good, so good. Uh, but back in May, he calls me, and he says, bro, you really need to do the website thing. You're so good at it. I give the same lines about not having time or not being good enough or whatever, and he just cuts me off. And he tells me, no, dude, I've seen what else is out there, and you're just as good, if not better than what's out there. He won't let up. He took away my excuses, and he's like, you have to do this, man. And so on my 33rd birthday, I did. I launched my own company, and I put myself out there. And I've had so much fun doing it since, and it's, it's, it's been a really cool process of struggling and wrestling through these kinds of things that I'm talking about. So, some of you might be wondering, so where's God in all of this? Uh, you know, why didn't you just pray more, or read, read the Bible more, spend some more time in worship? I did. I do. I never stopped those things. It's just part of life. God's been there all along. He's always been pushing me to do this thing. I, I believe that now. For 15 years, I'm a little thick. <laughs> uh... He was speaking to me through every single one of these interactions and encouraging me and pushing me to do it with people pestering me. And I was always, eh, you know. But I have this terrible habit of not believing what God says about me. And I have this other terrible habit of blaming him for my circumstances. You get mad. Why? God, why is it so hard to provide for my family? Dude, you gave away 30 grand in websites. What are you talking about? Right? It's your fault, God. No, it's not. <laughs> I brought the work to you. <laughs> so, the Sunday after I launched that company, I was over there in the front row worshiping, and I'm feeling pretty good about the events of the last few days. Uh, 
And I'm thanking God for the blessing, uh, for, for finally getting through my thick skull. And uh, the team sort of playing a new song that I had never heard before. And it was the song, Another in the Fire. And it's, it started out like this. Uh, there's a grace when the heart is under fire. Another way when the walls are closing in. Sounds familiar. And when I look at the space between where I used to be and this reckoning, I know I will never be alone. Man, that's real. And then there was the chorus. There was another in the fire standing next to me. It's, of course, a reference to Daniel. There was another in the waters holding back the seas. It's Moses. I wonder if those guys ever dealt with anxiety and fear. And should I ever need reminding of how I've been set free, there is a cross that bears the burden where another died for me. There is another in the fire. Emotional stuff is hard for this five. Second or third time through that chorus, I closed my eyes and there was this moment where <laughs> such a jerk. <laughs> I love you. I had this moment where I, I have this vision of Jesus. And he's standing there looking at me with his arms full of stuff. And I'm trying to figure out what he's carrying. It's just... And I get this look. I'm, I'm like trying to, you know. And in his arms are all of the thoughts and the doubts and the blame I've ever laid on him. I just get this sense of shame. It's creeping in. And I, I look down. And I feel like him urging me to look back. And so I do, slowly. And he says, well, no, first, I look at him in his face and I see just this grin. And he says, I will carry this for you for as long as you need me to. But I think it's time for us to start letting these go. If you're ready. Start crying so much like I am now. You know, I realize I've never been alone. Thanks. And the thing is, is this is not something I didn't already know. But that's the problem with anxiety and fear is what you know and what you feel, they don't line up. You know? But in the fire of my self-doubt, he was standing next to me, sustaining me. In the sea of my anxiety, he was holding back the waters to prevent me from drowning. He was always there, carrying my burden. 
guilt and shame, self-doubt, anxiety, fear, and I'm by no means done with that process. I need a guide just like the rest of you do. I have a great one, by the way. So do you. But I've uh, I've taken some really big steps in overcoming that nonsense. That's what it is. But I've got a lot left to take. There's still a big path, a big journey. The thing about those three coping mechanisms is they're all lies. None of it's honest. None of it. And that's what we're about here, right? Honesty. I'm going to wrap it up now. Uh, man, that was good timing. Maybe you felt that way, like you're alone. Maybe you've been paralyzed by fear or anxiety. I want you to know that you're not. You're not. The thoughts and the fears and the anxieties you experience, they're not just yours. Jesus is there with you. Even when you can't see him or notice him or feel him. But more than that, we are too. You're not alone. More people than you realize sitting around you this morning are dealing with the same thing, if not daily, then frequently. I'm there with you. I'm still working through it. But anyway, uh, Pastor Devin's going to come up and lead us through communion this morning. And if that's you today, if he's speaking to you about this today, about maybe it's time to let these things go, I want to encourage you to, to sit with that this morning and maybe start that process and see where it goes. Amen? Pastor Devin? So this morning, uh, he walked us through just a very real, ordinary example of the places that our brokenness shows up. On Sundays, we, you know, we often we spend our time in the scriptures or in song or in prayer, and, and all these things are, are so crucial, but sometimes we, we don't understand where all the real brokenness that calls sin where it really begins to show up. And it's in such ordinary spaces, like a struggle to start a business or not. You know, the way you communicate to your children, the way you handle conflict, the way you react to the person who, who cuts you off when you leave here to go to lunch. Um, you know, <laughs> these are the places where it, it shows itself and we miss the signs, the warning signs, the flags, right? The truth is, is that every human being in this room right now is hiding behind some form of a lie. It's the only safe place for us that we know. If we haven't learned to live in that space of honesty with God, this is the only safe place we know. Maybe you understand the way that Pastor Zach has done it. Constantly creating a lie of kind of bringing himself down. Putting out a, a less than picture of himself. Always trying to lower the expectations in the bar of himself and others. 
or maybe it's the opposite. Maybe you hide behind a lie. You've tried to build up a huge picture of who you are. You're always working to keep this image strong to everyone around you, to be strong for your family, your coworkers, or yourself. No, I'm this. It's a lie. Or maybe you're someone who's, you spent your entire life making about everyone else. You're always putting the spotlight on someone. You're always trying to defer your needs. You're always trying to make sure that your life and all the, the limelight, the attention is always shifted to someone else. Even that is a lie. We don't have time to do all of the, the steps it takes for us to find that, that space of honesty. That's why we built a church. That's why we do all the things we do. But this morning we are going to do something that Christians have been doing for 2,000 years. We, we come to a table and we don't do it alone. The idea is this, is that for 2,000 years, Christians have been coming every week coming to a practice that is supposed to remind you. It's almost like a picture just of someone accepting you. So every week we come to an experience that tells us that we are accepted, that we get to come as we are, broken and flawed as every one of us are, hiding behind our lies or fake images of who we are. And we don't do it alone. We don't practice communion alone in the cars on the way home. We do it together in the room to remind you that you're not the only broken person who honestly is terrified of what's on the inside. So we come down together with this broken mass all together and we smile at each other and we, we're all good. Everything's good. We're fine. It's a great service. Yeah, it's awesome. But inside, every one of us is hiding that thing, that, that brokenness, that wound. And so we don't have to fix everything. The goal isn't to be fixed. But every week we, we take a step closer. It's almost like every week we become a little more of ourselves. We show a little more of our brokenness. You know what you saw Pastor Zach doing was he's guiding you. He was showing you what it looks like to start the process. He's showing you what it looks like to begin to go into your own brokenness and be honest with it, be real with it, to bring it out, to bring it to the table, bring it in front of others and in front of God. This is what it looks like. Would you guys stay with me this morning? And so we're going we're gonna to end this way. And so here at Grace, we practice open communion. just means that between you and God, if you've chosen to receive God into your life, to do what God wants to do, you're welcome here. You don't have to be baptized in this church or saved here. It's between you and the Lord. It's the Lord's table, not ours. And so we're going to end this way. You know the, the usual things, right? If it's your first time afterwards, go to the info desk. We have a gift for you guys. All that kind of stuff, right? We're going to close with this time together. So we're going to come up. You're going to get the elements. And when you're ready to leave, go ahead and leave. If you have kids, send someone to get the kids. <laughs> Hang out. It takes time to get comfortable bringing all that stuff out. You've spent your entire life. How many years have you been alive? Just in your head, the number. You've spent that many years hiding what's really on the inside. It takes time to bring it out. So if you need a little time this morning, we're going to provide that. Father, we come to you this morning. Even if our minds know, but our hearts don't know yet, 
we ask that our hearts would begin to know that you are the first person, the first one who fully loves us, fully accepts us, meets us in the, the worst moment of our lives, brings us close no matter what, no matter what we have achieved or failed or lied or hidden or... And you are the only one who can heal us. You're the only one who we can bring all of the weight and the shame and the guilt and the fear and the anger. And you're the only one who can find healing. Not just relief, not just an escape, but healing. And we ask that we would find that in you. In Jesus' name. I just want to invite you. If you get, come on down the inside aisles and get the elements and... If you want to take time, the worship team is going to play, and you can take time in your seat to take this, have some alone time with the Lord, and uh, feel free to take the bread and the juice when you feel led. There's going to be a few people up here if you need prayer for anything. We do love you guys. Father, we just open this time up for you. Have your way in Jesus' name.